This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 and Sunday mornings at 11 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. Magnesium is amazing. It's part of over 300 different enzymes. It helps maintain normal nerve and muscle function, supports your immune system, keeps your heart beating properly, helps bones remain strong, It also helps regulate glucose levels, and it aids in the production of both energy and protein. Welcome to the new and expanded 60-minute version of The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we're going to learn all about the health benefits of magnesium. We'll discuss natural ways to boost your libido. We'll hear about yoga for your heart health. And lastly, we'll answer that age-old question, what are we eating for dinner? But first, a little bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with that great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try Activated Charcoal and Mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products in the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel's article in the February issue of Tonic is all about that magnificent micronutrient magnesium. Many of us take magnesium regularly, but you might not know how beneficial it is. And Joel's here to tell us exactly that. So welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. So you started the article about discussing micronutrients and nutrients. How does magnesium fit in? What's the dichotomy? Okay. There's two broad classifications of nutrients that our body uses. One is macronutrients and the other is micronutrients. And the easiest way to remember it is there's only three macronutrients. Okay. Let's start there. (laughs) It's the easy way to go. Protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And what it means by a macronutrient is you need a lot of it. If you don't get enough carbohydrates, your body shuts down. Same thing happens with fat. Same thing happens with protein. You need a lot of it, and you need it every day. Every other nutrient is a micronutrient. And they're still very important, but you just don't need as much of them to function. And magnesium, as with all the other minerals and vitamins as well, are all considered micronutrients. Got it. Perfect. So what does magnesium do for us? What's its role? Well, magnesium is amazing. You'd never think that this one thing does so much. It's part of over 300 different enzymes. So you figure each one of those enzymes does multiple things in your body, and magnesium is a key component in over 300 of them. It helps maintain normal nerve and muscle function, supports your immune system, keeps your heart beating properly. That's important. Yep. Helps bones remain strong. It also helps regulate glucose levels. So if you know someone who is diabetic or hypoglycemic, very important for them. And it aids in the production of both energy and protein. 
The issue is that low levels of magnesium are associated with some serious chronic conditions, including migraines, Alzheimer's, stroke, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and type 2 diabetes. Wow. So it covers all different sorts of systems because you have the nervous system, the, the gastric system there, the heart system. And digestive. Yeah. As well. Yeah. The big thing to remember is even though it's not a macronutrient, we still need it and we need it a lot. Okay. What are the benefits of having extra magnesium in your system? Like, like why do we want magnesium? Having enough magnesium is important. And the good part about it is if you take too much, there's no real risk. Magnesium is one of those interesting nutrients that your body naturally is designed to eliminate if you take too much. The only people who should concern themselves about possibly taking too much are those with serious kidney issues. Because the kidneys are how your body eliminates magnesium, right. if you have serious kidney issues, then you could get into a little bit of problems. But without that, if your kidneys are healthy, you have no issues of taking too much. Okay. So why do we want to take a lot of it? What does it help us do? Oh, having adequate amounts of magnesium, it'll increase your energy levels. It helps calm your nerves and your muscles. It helps with a restful night's sleep. And part of that is helping calm your muscles. Uh, A lot of people have sleep issues because they're tossing, they're turning, they get muscle cramps. I get muscle cramps at night. This is a new thing. It started like this past year, and I think it's because I've changed up my workout routine. Entirely possible. But my legs, I wake up and there's like pain in my legs, whether I'm stretched out or not. And so maybe I should be taking magnesium. Yeah, you can take a lot of people who complain about sleep issues. What they'll do is as part of their program, they'll take magnesium just before bed. And that way it digests, gets through to your muscles, and your muscles love it. It works that quickly if you take it before sleep? Oh, I'm not saying 10 seconds before sleep, but a half an hour, 45 minutes before sleep. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. It'll help. As part of that as well, it helps relieve muscle cramps, aches, and pain. Here's a fun one for my family. It reduces the frequency and severity of migraines in many people. Ah. It, It won't work for everyone, right? but it works in a lot of people. It improves mood reduces water retention, and helps relieve other symptoms associated with PMS. It reduces blood pressure in those with high blood pressure, but if you have regular blood pressure, it doesn't reduce your blood pressure. So it's safe to take that way. Ah, okay. It reduces inflammation and pain, and it improves blood sugar regulation. So again, if you're hypoglycemic or diabetic, it helps with both of them. It reduces some symptoms of depression, although not Serious depression. Serious clinical depression, magnesium, it's not going to hurt you, but it isn't going to help. But people take it for a seasonal affective disorder, do they not? You can take it for that. It's not a cure in and of itself, right. but it's part of a treatment plan. It will help to some degree, but not in and of itself as a whole treatment. And it also helps with digestion by relieving constipation and improving overall regularity. And what I mean by that is there are many things that are strong laxative that will improve your going to the bathroom that minute, but they don't actually improve your regularity on a long term. Magnesium actually can do both. Hmm. So what type of person is likely to be deficient in magnesium who could use more? All of us are probably low in magnesium just because of our diet, and I can get into that a little bit later. But people who are chronically low... And are at greater risk than the rest of the community are people who have in the past or are currently abusing alcohol because as your body 
works through and digests and moves the alcohol through you, it uses a lot of magnesium. Additionally to that, people who have Crohn's, celiac, diabetes, or any chronic digestive issues. And the whole reason behind that is if you have chronic digestive issues, you're not actually getting the magnesium from your diet into your system. You're not digesting it properly. Right. It gets expelled before. Right. And the biggest contributing factor mm-hmm. that affects all of us is stress. Okay. When you have stress, even positive stress, which as the name implies is a good thing, yeah. your body eliminates magnesium faster. Huh. So especially- so I, I need magnesium, it sounds like. <laughs> definitely. Well, not just you, everyone. And especially this may sound really weird to people. They may not think about it. The weather plays a big component of that. When we're in the deepest, darkest depths of cold, yep. as we are in January and February living in Canada, we go through more magnesium because it stresses our body. Uh, our body's coping with the extremes. Okay, that makes sense. It's one I never thought of until I started reading about it. Okay, so we can get magnesium in, in our foods, right? We can, but not nearly enough. One of the tricky things about magnesium is there is no one food that I can point to and say, this is an amazing source of magnesium. Eat this every day, 200 grams, and you'll be fine. Right. We can do that with most other micronutrients. We can't do that with magnesium because there's nothing in the food supply that's that rich. Okay. Yes, there are foods that contain a fair bit. For example, you've got leafy, dark leafy greens, unrefined whole grains, many of the beans, nuts, and some species of fish. But even if you have those on a regular basis right. in your diet every single day, say, for example, you're a vegan and you make sure that your main source of protein are beans, nuts, and seeds, so you're getting tons of it, you have leafy green vegetables, you're still not getting enough. Hmm. You'd be hard-pressed to get the RDA, which is the recommended dietary allowance. And the problem is even if you try and hit the RDA level – you're just barely scraping the surface of what your body actually needs. So the RDA is just bare minimum in this instance. Completely and utterly bare minimum. And one of the other big issues with magnesium is if you go to your doctor, say, and get a blood test, as many people will do for different micronutrients, um, B12 is a common one, iron is another one, calcium. The problem with magnesium is you get a magnesium test and the number could come out great, but 99% of your body's magnesium isn't in your blood. Is actually stored in your cells, and that doesn't come out on a blood test. Huh. So it could be giving you a false reading that you're doing great when in actuality you're quite deficient. So it sounds to me like everybody really should be taking magnesium, right? Supplements? Definitely. It's one of those ones I take every day, and everyone I know, I preach to take it every day. And what is the correct dosage for different sorts of people? What should we be taking? That's pretty much up in the air. Depending on who you talk to, as I said, the RDA level is very low. Right. My personal take, I do a couple thousand milligrams a day. Okay. And the, the big thing is I do elemental. And let me explain that quickly. Yeah, go through When that. you're talking minerals, many people will go to a bottle and say, oh, it says I have a thousand milligrams of zinc or whatever. Zinc yeah. oxide, for yeah. example. Now, you have to remember, when you say zinc oxide, as an example... You may get 1,000 milligrams of zinc oxide, but zinc oxide isn't pure zinc. It's a mineral salt combining two things together. Right. And you get that with all the minerals. There's no such thing as a mineral that's pure in nature. You have iron oxide, calcium carbonate, magnesium. Sulfide. uh, Sulfate. Yeah. And they're all that way. 
So what you want to look at is the elemental level. And when you look on a label and it says milligrams elemental, that's the actual amount of the mineral you care about. Okay. And the reason that matters is for many minerals, when you're looking at it, you could pick 1,000 milligrams, for example, calcium carbonate. It's under 30% calcium. So you may be thinking Ah. you're getting 1,000 milligrams. Great, I'm doing amazing. You're actually getting less than 300. And then you run into absorption issues because each different salt of every mineral has a different bioavailability level and a different absorption level. Well, I was going to ask that. If it's combined with, with another element, obviously that's going to impact your body's ability to take it in. So Definitely. So with magnesium, what should we be looking for? When you say elemental, can you actually get it? You can't get it on its own, right? So what's It's physically t- impossible. So so typically how do we get it? Like if we if we're going to supplement, what should we be looking for? With all the minerals, you want to look into what are called the organic forms. And the organic forms doesn't mean that it's certified organic by this and this body somewhere. We're talking chemistry here. Organic minerals, the easiest way to explain it is they're ones that are found in nature. Okay. In living things, essentially from plants. And the difference between those and inorganic ones, inorganic ones are ones that are mined or are synthetically produced. Right. And it actually does make sense if you think about it quickly. Your body is designed to absorb certain things. Right. Do you think our ancestors would have gone out when they needed something, and I'm doing that in air quotes, (laughs) when they needed something, would they go out and gnaw on a leaf or on a, or would they go for something living like a fish or something like that? Or were they not on the closest rock? I'm assuming this is not a trick question. <laughs> I'm going to say they would go for the living thing and not for the fish, right? And that's why it's easier on your system. The molecules themselves actually tend to be smaller. Okay. And your body tends to have the ability to absorb them better. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So with all that advice, does it matter whether we get magnesium sulfide or what's the combination that magnesium comes in that our bodies tend to be able to absorb the easiest? There are varying different ones and okay. there are also varying different schools of thought on this one. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. There's the personal ones I like. Yeah. I like a combination of magnesium citrate and ascorbate. Okay. I like the two combined together. And the reason I like those two together is if I take those two together and I mix in a little bit of vitamin C, the vitamin C acts as an absorption enhancer. Okay. So those two things together. Which is the ascorbic acid, correct? Correct. And that way you get not only two absorbable forms, you get the addition of an absorption enhancer both in the molecule itself, and then I add a little bit more to it. Okay. So Joel, what other options are there? There's magnesium with ascorbic acid or vitamin C, but what else is it combined with that you might be able to find in the marketplace? Well, for those people who have issues with their stomach with acidity and you don't want to get the vitamin C, what you can also do is use a fiber called inulin. And what inulin does is actually really interesting. Inulin, as it passes through your gut with other nutrients, temporarily alters the pH of your gut to make it more susceptible to absorbing other things. And when you take it with magnesium, it does the exact same thing. So you take X amount of magnesium, you would normally absorb Y amount, take it at the exact same time as inulin, you'll still take the same amount of magnesium, but you'll absorb, say, Y plus 20%. Huh. Okay. And it's a temporary effect, so there's no long-term issues. 
All right. So those are the two ways uh, that you take your magnesium. Mm-hmm. What brands would you recommend? Did you, do you guys make uh, magnesium? We do. And the reason we created it is because we got through all this and we realized, okay, this is the way to do it. And we made some for my family. Ah, okay. <laughs> Easiest way to make a product and make sure it works, test it on your own family. What we do is our brand is called Easy Vitamins and Minerals Magnesium. Right. It's a powder. And that's a key thing. And the reason is our powder is highly soluble which means you don't eliminate it, you absorb it. And it ticks all the boxes. It's highly soluble. It's got two forms of magnesium in it that are organic and highly absorbable and highly bioavailable. And it also has the absorption enhancers of vitamin C and inulin. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Always my pleasure. We'll hear back from you next month, but we've got to take a short break. When we return, we'll learn about the natural ways to increase your libido on the tonic. Are you one of the many Canadians dealing with chronic pain, anxiety, IBS, and other such conditions? Are you interested in finding out more about your options with medical cannabis? Then join one of 22,000 patients nationwide who've let Harvest Medicine be their trusted cannabis healthcare partner and provider. It's never been easier to access Harvest Medicine's healthcare team, education, and resources. Simply download the HMed Connect app from the Android and Apple stores and book your appointment today. To find out more, visit hmed.ca or download the app. That's HMED Connect from your app store. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest, Megan Horsley, is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold. She's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer. And just in time for Valentine's Day, she wrote a great article about the natural ways to boost your libido in the February issue of Tonic. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. So I've got a a question that is burning my brain and I have to ask you, is there such a thing as organic Spanish fly? Uh, yes. Yes. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm asking you. You're the expert. I've never used Spanish fly. That's a disclaimer. I don't need it. But somebody might. Somebody might. And I don't even know if there's such a thing as organic, whether anybody would care, whether it's like fair trade, organic Spanish fly. I don't know. I'm just goofing with you. So in the article, you came up with a number of ideas, which are sort of collateral. They're lifestyle approaches. Yes, exactly. To boosting libido. And let's start at the beginning. You suggested reducing stress. Let's talk about stress, baby. baby. All right, go ahead. How do you, re- how do you recommend reducing stress? Because I'm very stressed out. So stress is number one for a reason on the list. Everyone deals with it. I'd say in Toronto, we are a city of workaholics. 
right? Yep. No matter how you look at it, we're all working overtime, working too much. And this stress can have an effect on our sex drive, on our libido, yep. uh, whether we realize it or not. So at the end of the day, you're going home exhausted, wanting to spend time with your loved one. And maybe you just can't muster up that energy because you're just toast, right? Yep. And so it's easy to say you have to reduce your stress. It is easy to say. It's so easy to say. But it's hard to do. It's so hard to do that. And a lot of that comes down to finding the time, right? Quote unquote, finding the time. A lot of it is about making the time. Um, But if your schedule is packed, finding that time can be hard. And the other thing is making sure that you're finding stress relieving activities that you actually enjoy so that you can continue doing them. Well, let's shunt aside the issue of finding the time. Let's talk about the types of things that you would recommend to relieve stress, and then we can talk about how to fit them in your schedule. How about yes. That? So the reason why I brought that up is because it's such a personal thing, right? So yeah. I could say yoga, right? right? Yoga is such a popular one right. for stress relief, relaxes the body, relaxes the muscles, right? Gets your body primed for whatever you're doing. Right. And it, you know, significantly relaxes the mind, which is what we're looking for for stress relief. The other thing too, which comes with yoga is meditation. Right. It's one of the best ways to reduce stress Five or 10 minutes is really all you need a day. Right. Okay. So like with yoga, realistically, most classes you're going to, unless you're doing a video at home or something, you know, you're downloading something from the internet, you're looking at an hour, hour and a half of your time to get to a yoga class, which is great. You're right about meditation and there's all kinds of apps that are available right now where you can be on your own, do it in the privacy of your own home, and it doesn't take a long time. Exactly. So two recommendations actually for yoga and meditation. I have two favorite apps. What's that? So Down Dog for Yoga mm-hmm. is free. You can do anything from 10 to an hour, like 10 minutes to an hour. Right. You can do beginner, intermediate. Again, depends on your Yeah, level. I'm not sure 10 minutes of yoga is really going to well. de-stress you, but you know. <laughs> you know, it depends, right? Again, fitting it into the schedule, Fair that's enough. the key. Yep. Making sure that it's Something consistent. Is better. Something's yeah, better than nothing. Consi- yep. Yeah, exactly. And then for meditation, one of my favorites is Insight Timer. And it looks like they're actually growing in popularity as well. I'm noticing lots of other people using them. Right. And so they're the number one thing that I recommend for my clients. Again, you can play this on your phone, sitting in your car, at the end of the day, you know, when you've finished work, before you get into your house. So you can kind of switch mindsets from work mode to home life to relaxing with your family, with your loved one. Right. Right. I would add something here that is sort of the corollary. So those are apps. So you're, you're actually plugging in to do those two things. But uh-huh, I, think, uh-huh. I think unplugging to de-stress is a, is a good one too. Right? Yes, you yes. know, I know so many people that are busy. And they allow their work time to flow into their leisure time or downtime by constantly checking their phones for messages and emails and taking calls when they're they're outside of work. And I'm entrepreneurial. I get it. I have to take calls whenever, but you don't need to check your phone obsessively. Put it down. Turn it off. Because I think the phones are causing more stress than, than anything. Yeah, you're absolutely right, right? It's that screen time. It's that blue light that's affecting our hormone levels as well. It's going yeah. to affect your your body's ability to reduce cortisol and increase melatonin, which right. is what relaxes your body and gets it ready for sleep. So yes, good point about unplugging from your phone. The beauty of meditation is that obviously you don't need a phone to do it. Right. So if yeah. you're able to set, again, 10 minutes aside by yourself without any device, you can do that too, right? It just right. depends on on your ability to let go and relax the mind. Mm-hmm. 
And so other ways, some of my favorite ways, especially around this time of year, to relax with your partner, two suggestions I have, one being Thai yoga massage for couples. So a couple years ago, Jonathan and I, who is now my fiance. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We went to this really fun night. Uh, It was a Thai yoga massage couples night. And so we were there with, I'd say, five other couples. And the instructors were teaching you how to do Thai yoga massage. So it's a series of stretching the body, manipulating the body in different ways and massaging certain areas. So you're completely stretching out the body while also trying to relax the muscles. And I would say for those of you who are thinking it turned into a big orgy, Thai (laughs) Thai massage is done with the clothes on. (laughs) Clothes on. Clothes on, specifically. Sorry, carry on. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. No, no, good disclaimer. Good disclaimer. I didn't want to shock anybody. (laughs) Go on, what's next? Again, that's a great way to keep it interactive with your partner. Another thing I like to do in in Toronto, again, these are all over the city, are float spas. So these are basically big tubs of water filled to the brim with Epsom salts. Right. Epsom salts are extremely high in magnesium, which we know is great for relaxing the muscles and is really important for energy production in the body. Are these the sensory deprivation tanks or is this something... So you you can do the pot. Yep. Yeah. If you wanted to go in alone, you could do the pot. But not if you're claustrophobic. Not if you're claustrophobic. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they also have big tubs, big soaker tubs that you can right. go in with another person. Yeah. So again, a fun way to relax, including your partner. And again, no devices, right? No phones here. Right. Okay. So yep. I think you have tons of options in our city to do those kinds of things. That's food for thought. Let's go for food for food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. So in the article, you talk about foods that are rich in zinc. Yes. So let's talk about zinc and those foods. Yes. So why do I recommend zinc? So zinc is extremely important for testosterone production. Mm-hmm. And testosterone is a key player in libido for both men and women. Right. So in fact, in next month's article, I talk a bit more about zinc and men's reproductive systems. So keep that in mind for we'll, next month. We'll cover month. that next month yep, when yep. you're back. So the important thing about zinc is that it acts as an aromatase inhibitor, which means that it prevents testosterone from converting into estrogen. Okay. And so this is extremely important for libido because we want to make sure that our testosterone serum levels are at a good amount so that we can have a thriving libido. Correct. And so zinc is fantastic for this. We have lots of foods that we can eat um, in order to help with this. Can you get enough zinc from the, from these foods or do you need to supplement? 100%. You can with a caveat, right? So for example, the average recommended amount of zinc per day is 11 milligrams for adults. Right. Right. But this is going to change depending on your constitution, depending on whether you're actually able to absorb minerals, right? Your stomach acid. Lots of things at play here. So, again, check in with your healthcare practitioner to figure out what amounts would be good for you and if you need to supplement. But for foods, right. oysters. Well, of course. Oysters, right? as we know, are one of the best aphrodisiac foods, right? I, I'm not a big oyster fan. I no. can't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. So, okay, next. Okay, next, uh, we've got lamb. You like lamb? I like lamb, but my wife does not like lamb. Okay. Well, we're all for two for her. Okay. Another... It's not about me. It's about her. Let's, okay. let's find something for her. <laughs> Another meat option, I should say, and I just yeah. let it go, is beef. Sure. So beef is a super easy one. But if you're a vegan vegetarian, yep. chickpeas. Okay. She likes chickpeas. Yeah. Chickpeas are a fantastic source. Pumpkin seeds. I actually brought some in for you to try today. Some pitos? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So these are roasted pumpkin seeds. I actually just tried out this brand, Scuda. Um, I really like them. Okay. Pumpkin seed oil. 
So one of my favorite brands is Steering Gold. They have a delicious nutty pumpkin seed oil. Mm-hmm. You can have that on your salads. Really easy way to get your zinc in. Excellent. So another thing to eat you mentioned in the article is maca. Yes. So what's maca and how do we take it? And please tell me it doesn't taste horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no. So maca is a root vegetable. It's actually very similar to cabbage and turnip. Uh, so it comes from the brassica family. Mm-hmm. And it's found in the Peruvian Andes. And it's been eaten for thousands of years. It's not oh. cocaine, right? No. Okay. No. Is it an offshoot of cocaine? Is it cocaine no. mixed with a turnip or anything like that? No? No okay. hybrids. No, no. no. I'm, I'm understanding apocryphally that cocaine is good for the libido, too. But anyways, sorry. Carry on. Those That's per- for another those episode. Per- those, Peruvians, those Peruvians have it down. <laughs> So the the good thing about maca root is that it is adaptogenic. What does that mean? It means that it helps to balance your HPA axis, so your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, and your adrenals. And ultimately, what this means is that it helps to balance out your stress levels. So it reduces cortisol and helps to increase testosterone so that your hormones are in check. Okay, and maca is a powder you can find anywhere, right? Yes, so you can get it powdered, or you'll also see it uh, called gelatinized, which just means that it's been powdered into a finer form. And again, you can take this in capsule form, or you can add it in powder form to your smoothies. I'm actually seeing chocolate bars made these days with maca, which is a fantastic combination because, as we know, cacao is high in magnesium, so you've got that really nice balancing, relaxing factor going on. Okay, one last thing really quickly. You suggest that being creative will help with the libido. How so? Yes. So this comes down to the sacral chakra. So we have seven chakras in the body. These are energy centers that run along the, the spinal meridian in the body. And what these are basically, they're energy centers that are attached to our organs and they can have an effect on our physical, emotional, and mental levels, right? And, right. and abilities. So the idea with the sacral chakra is that it's directly connected to your sexuality and your reproductive organs. And within the chakra history, it is believed that the sacral chakra is boosted with creative activities. Excellent. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But next month, you're going to come back and talk all about testosterone, right? Yes, it's going to be testosterone everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Okay. Make sure you listen to that one. Okay. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn about yoga and heart health on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. 
formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Deborah Devine, is a trusted teacher and host of Healing Yoga, an innovative and inclusive fitness program and a gentle, accessible practice for all ages, abilities, and fitness levels. Healing Yoga airs daily in Canada on One TV and Vision TV. Each episode is designed to help prevent or ease symptoms associated with aging, injuries, emotional challenges, and chronic illnesses. Deborah is also a great writer. In the February issue of Tonic, she wrote about yoga and heart health. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's great to be here. I love all of the programs that you've been running for the last while. And wow, thank you. Excellent content, wow. excellent information, very informative. I did not pay her to say that. <laughs> so there's a big connection between yoga and the heart, right? There is. It's huge. In fact, about, I guess, 1,200 years ago in this document, this ancient uh, Sanskrit script, I'm going to mess it up, but Brindaharayaka Upanishad. See, none of, none of us listening know whether you got that right or not. So to me, it sounded beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, there's this ancient book and one of the most amazing verses in this uh, particular chapter is when all of the knots that strangle the heart are loosened, the mortal becomes immortal here in this very life. And I have to say that I really felt an amazing experience in in Shavasana when I first started my yoga practice. And the teacher was leading us through this wonderful Shavasana, and I just felt my heart relax and take it easy. Just, you know, that first moment of expanded sort of feeling, expansive feeling, like I can take a deep breath and there's just so much room around my heart. And then this beautiful happiness that is, it's an indescribable happiness. So many people who practice yoga tell me about that feeling. The problem for me is when I lie in Shavasana, I'm always thinking, okay, what do I have to do when I get back to the office? I wish I was one of those people whose heart expands. I tout yoga all the time on the show and really it works wonders for most people. I'm looking from the outside in and I'm, and I'm I'm envious, but but it is an experience that is shared, right? You bring a really good point up here because I think that, of course, all yoga is excellent for the heart. But for those of us who are maybe dealing with heart disease, and and heart disease is a very serious uh, problem. It's the number one killer worldwide. We have this idea that we have to really kill ourselves and really work out hard. And and then, you know, the Shavasana experience in many different, uh, more challenging lineages is a quiet period of time. Right. And for my practice through healing yoga, I just specialize in in this this kind of yoga that's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. I'm guiding people through to a place where they can actually let go of the mind and then rest in peace, so to speak, in Shavasana, which is corpse pose, right? Yeah. So guiding people through at some kind of a progressive relaxation experience is so helpful. And that's how I learned to enjoy yoga because, Jamie... I am also a type A driver, got to get it done. What do, what do you mean lie down? I'll lie down when I'm dead. Like, that's exactly. it. So it was a hard thing for me to realize that I had to go to yoga because I had used up all of my other options for healing my problems. Inflammation, arthritis. I had all kinds of challenges with my, I had several uh, symptoms of fibromyalgia. I had weight issues and I had tried everything and nothing was working. And a colleague said to me, 
you need yoga. You need to go and, and check out this yoga studio in Burlington. And I did. And that was the beginning of my, my amazing health turnaround. So I love yeah. hearing stories like that. And you have an amazing story, too. We're not going to talk about me today. This is about you. And so yoga is terrific for so many different things, and and, and you've mentioned them. But specifically today, let's let's focus on yoga and the heart. So how is yoga beneficial for your heart health? As I say in the article, the studies are in. There is so much incredible evidence that is showing us that yoga is excellent for the heart. But if you dive a little bit deeper, like, first of all, you have to figure out what kind of yoga is really good for the heart. So if you look at Dean Ornish's reversal of heart disease program that's been around for 30, 40 years, you know, it's pretty incredible that insurance companies are funding this lifestyle change. And a big part of that is yoga and mindfulness and meditation. So it works because insurance companies are not known for paying for things that don't work. And, you know, (laughs) if it's a cost benefit to go that route and also, you know, just thinking about from the patient's perspective, You know, going through a heart transplant and a heart surgery is an incredible recovery. And so being able to have that idea that, oh, I'm not going to worry about too much risk. You know, I see there's 40 years of research behind that. And you can find all kinds of information on The Lancet that um, Dean Ornish has, has published over the years. So there's tons of research around that. There's also all kinds of research that all of the top medical schools, medical faculties in the top universities are also creating yoga therapy programs for heart, for cancer. So there's a lot of research out there. But I always say that, you know, there is a certain amount of skepticism that I have about, you know, science, you know, who's calling what science and who are those people and what, what, how are they evaluating what is valid data? What are valid findings? Because we feel like the goalposts are changing and then we're getting all of this news every day. This is good for me now. This is terrible for me the next day. You know, it's very confusing for a lot of people. So I always think of it as the best evidence is the evidence that is showing up for you in what you're doing. I agree. So... Yeah, there's tons of research. And, and, and if you Google, if you have access to Google, you can find all kinds of incredible findings about how great heart health can be improved just with yoga and meditation. Forgive my ignorance, but are there specific poses that are beneficial for your heart health? Like, would you recommend if, if somebody was having difficulties that they would do these poses? So, you know, I think that definitely there are certain poses that are conducive to different heart issues. But it can't be done in isolation. No, of course not. You you think about Ayurveda, the sister science of yoga, which is the science of health. You know, they do kind of endorse and I endorse because I know a lot of people that have had heart issues and are surviving and thriving and reversing their their heart issues through T. Colin Campbell's whole foods, plant-based type eating. Right. And so, you know, it's got to be other areas of your life. But the thing is, how do you get yourself into a place where you can actually make those changes? Because those are big changes. Yeah. You know, stop eating meat. Holy mackerel. That is really, you know, so you start with like meatless Mondays, right? And then you start to get a little bit more excited about what kind of bean dishes can I put together? And then, you know, it's sort of how can I calm my mind to a place where I can sort of Look at the different options that I have instead of like, no, I got to go to the keg tonight and that's it. So <laughs> yoga is really great for helping us calm the thought fluctuations of the mind. That's what yoga really is all about. And it's also this idea of, you know, establishing a sense of loving kindness. The first sutra of the yoga sutras of Patanjali is the yoga is the calming of the thought fluctuations of the mind so that the soul can rest in its true splendor. And that, you know, when you when you look at the yamas and the niyamas, the first, you know, of the Ten Commandments is, you know, loving kindness. Mm-hmm. And that has a huge 
impact in your heart health as well. You're sort of focusing or or reflecting on uh, yoga as it may help our emotional state, right? Yes, yes, definitely. And and your physical state, because when you engage the parasympathetic nervous system, your body's innate healing abilities go into overdrive. Right. And then they start to fix all the things that we have not really given ourselves permission to allow to heal right. um, because we're so busy. What sort of physical symptoms that people might have emotional stress from? How can yoga, yoga help with those? So yeah. the actual physical manifestations of the emotional stress. So it's kind of interesting because I feel like some of our illnesses, they're, they're bidirectional. Sometimes a physical problem like a backache is going to give us, uh, you know, a, a real challenge in living fully. Right. And then we end up depressed because our, our moods are affected by lack of can't, movement. Can't, right? do, can't do what we used to do. Yes. Can't exercise. And then so you're I'm not getting cranky. that circulation. That's yeah. cranky. Yeah. And then the other aspect of, oh my God, I'm going to be laid off. I've got all of these commitments. I have a big family. You know, my parents are now experiencing dementia. You've got all this stress that's built on. And then, you know, you're trying to deal with the physical manifestation. So what I love about yoga is that it's a practice that helps everything. And there are no side effects unless you call enlightenment a side effect. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that um, as far as using yoga as a tool in your arsenal to keep your heart healthy, I think that's really important. And then also, you know, the the emotional afflictions of the heart, depression and anxiety, there's tons of research around that, dealing with grief, dealing with PTSD. There is an enormous amount of work that's happening out there right now, especially in the area of PTSD. We are, are looking at an incredible revolution. If we can just start to take care of our ourselves. Our healthcare dollars will be managed a little bit more wisely. You know, our demand hopefully will be diminished if we just start to take care of ourselves. So yoga has got to be a part of our daily activity. And it's also going to be a part of, you know, prevention for some of the things that we know that we're, we're prone for. And then also, you know, after the fact, going through the recovery, I, I have so many wonderful stories of my friend Linda going through her AFib challenges and other people that are healing through yoga with their heart surgeries and such. And, you know, also, you know, from an emotional perspective, you know, that's softness that you have in your heart when you're doing your practice. There's just this emotional softening that can happen in the gentle practice. And then also, you know, it's it's Valentine's. Yeah. You know, doing a couple's yoga, I have to say, you know, I, I maybe it's too much information here, but my sex life improved by an order of magnitude through yoga because you're dealing with mindfulness interoception, like where the sensations are happening in your body. You've got a calm mind. You've got this wonderful experience of being in the present moment with your lover and you're having this wonderful, passionate time. So yoga is great for sex too. If you're not going to do it for heart health, you got to do it for better sex. You know, that last comment that you made may have driven more people to yoga than all your talk about heart health and emotional health. If it means you're going to have a better sex life, I think everybody's going to hit the mats. Yes, I think that's a great reason to get to the mat, right? I can't think of a better one. quite frankly. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Jamie. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll decide what are we going to have for dinner on The Tonic? At Caregiver Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24 hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregiver Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family Help care for yours. 
Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Vito Marinuzzi was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way, through nepotism. His cousin, restaurateur Gina Rana, hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser and later gave him a shot as a waiter. Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get people to try the good stuff, and he did. Now, as co-owner with his famous mom of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, Vito knows the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Every time you read that, I think, I blush. I know. It's, like, it's, it's hard to listen to. It's beautiful. You wrote it yourself, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. My, my friend, uh, I brought you in the show today so that collectively we can turn our minds to one of the most difficult questions plaguing our society, and that is, what should we have for dinner tonight? Oh, man, that is huge. I'm right? going to need time to think about this. That I, is really one of the things that plagues me every day. You know, Naomi and I will literally spend an entire afternoon on a Saturday trying to figure out what it is we're going to have for dinner. So we're going to take it. We're not going to go to the restaurant. We're going to stay in because I know, you know, you love your food at home just as yep, much as you absolutely. do. Absolutely. So what did you have for dinner? What was but the, it's good because 90% of people ask me, A, where did I eat? Or right. B, what did I eat? Right. So this is perfect. All right. So, so what did you eat? What's the last thing you made? The last thing, well... <laughs> or you made collectively. Right. No, well, my daughter's a big influence on the kitchen. She's always there with suggestions, and she wanted fondue. Fondue. Yep. She, I, you know, she just said, you know, we go to Italian lessons, and right. I, I go shopping around the corner, and before I leave, I said, what do you want for dinner? I want fondue tonight. I was like, you know, sweetie, that's not the easiest thing to throw. All right, fine. We're going to make fondue. Did you go to school? I have never you- made fondue. We used to make it. I mean, it's a production. It's more than you think. You think, oh, it's melted cheese. But it's way more than that. It's, yeah, it's the a melted production. cheese has a little bit of... Kirsch? Did you put the Kirsch in? Well, we don't, well white wine. Okay. We're Italian. Okay. <laughs> with Pinot Grigio in mind. Okay. And did you rub the side with garlic? The si- rub the side with garlic. She boiled up some wine and she decided that she would try some. Did you have the fondue pot or did you go on I the do, stove? I do have a fondue pot that I've never used. Like right. We literally you break took out, it out of the packaging. Did you break out the kerosene and everything? Yep, yep. I stole one of the chafers from work and we put it together. It's fun. I mean, it's fun yeah. to do, right? I didn't know that the secret was a little bit of lemon to oh, make yeah? sure that the cheese, you know, cheese apparently sometimes doesn't break down. Right, right. So the lemon helps it break down. I did not know that. And it doesn't look right till the last minute. Okay, did you pretend to be healthy and dip vegetables in it, or was we it just We did. Red? We did a massive platter of vegetables. Cauliflower, <laughs> broccoli, carrots, peppers, peas. And then we baked, I, I bought a dough, and we, she baked off like eight buns. Did you go raclette, or did you, what did you we, do? Uh, I, I was stuck with where I was shopping. Gruyere? So we went with Gruyere and... Swiss. So it was just Charlesburg. Yeah, yeah, Charlesburg. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and that's all we did. That, that's what I had access to at the no, moment. That's all you need. Oh, kids really ate it up. Did you do the dessert uh, fundue no, with we chocolate did not. after? No, we did not. We kept it. You it kept was, it healthy, did you? It was, with a, school, melted, with it was that, a simple with the, school night. With the two pans of melted cheese. Awesome. Yeah. The last meal that we made, 
farro, which I think is an underrated grain, Italian grain. Yes, so you yes. should know all about it. And uh, like uh, akin to spelt. So it's uh, pancetta and leeks cooked down. And then you cook, you take like a can of San Marzano tomatoes and you crush them up, even in your hands. Mm-hmm. It's a little messy. That's the best way. And then uh, you cook the farro and you kind of make like a, a stew with it. And then you've taken the crispy bits, bits of pancetta that you've taken out. So you use the pancetta fat with the leeks. Right. And then you put the pancetta little crispy chunks back in and, you know, tons of cheese because, you know, yes, yeah. you have to have tons of cheese. So that was my last dinner. That's kind of a nut, almost healthy. With, with a salad, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a light, simple, but like lots of prep work. Yeah. Well, you know, I work from home. When yep. I'm not here on the radio, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at home, so I can, I so can, you can do dinner. meal prep. Exactly. What about you? Okay, so let's. What else have you? I have a make? friend who's a big meat barbecue person, and um, he would never. I, I don't want to make it like he wouldn't. I don't think he would ever splurge on a ridiculous piece of meat. So I had my brother get me a, a tomahawk from a local farm. Like my brother's a butcher, and yeah, he yeah. had some local beef in that he had aged for two weeks, and he cut me a tomahawk. Tomahawk steak. Tomahawk. I've never done it before. It's four pounds. It's like the cowboy steaks, it's, right? Yes, yeah. The bone is as long as your arm. So and how do you how do you is it, you slow cook it? Do you sear well, it? Well, I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I asked my brother, and I googled it, and I made sure. But I had to get the barbecue really hot. I seared it on both sides for quite a few minutes. It's a four pound piece of meat, right? And then uh, we kind of pushed the charcoal over and just left. Oh, it. so charcoal? You're old. Oh school. yeah, we're old school Weber charcoal. At okay. Home. Uh, and then we left the steak on there on the side, sort of offset. And cook some sausages and some other stuff while we're there. Right. You know, a bigger piece of meat cooks better. It does. A thin piece of meat is impossible to cook or cook properly. On the grill, for sure. Oh, yeah. The, the Particularly thick, if you're using charcoal. The you thick, know. like, I don't know, three, four-inch piece of meat cooked perfectly. Even the cooked parts weren't dry. It was absolutely delicious, but it's a lot of meat. I find with the grills or barbecue, and people use the word interchangeably. Grilling means you're cooking over an open flame and you're using the heat from the fire and the grill to cook it, whereas barbecue is more of a slow cooking That's process. That's right. So I guess you grill and barbecue a tomahawk steak. Correct. So I've been doing a lot of slow cooking on the barbecue, even mm. during the winter time. And really, the key there is time. Like, you can't put together a real barbecue dinner during the week unless you're working from home. Right. But if you have a good amount of time, you can take whole chickens, turkey breasts, which I made for yep. you once, yep. on, and smoke them and slow cook them. And uh, it's actually a very efficient way of cooking, and it can be healthy, not necessarily the smoking. Right. But if you're slow cooking, you know, you, you keep the juices in. Poultry does turn out, in my opinion, the best. I agree. Yeah, like I've tried everything on the, like slowly on the barbecue, but yep. poultry is by far the best. And really, if you keep the temperature at 250, a standard chicken that you would get, like a three, four pound chicken that you can pick up really anywhere inexpensively, yep. if you brine it, I do recommend you brine it. Uh, for 24 hours, rinse it off, pop it on the grill, and slow cook it for three hours. you got to give it three hours at 250, and then you turn up the heat at the end to get the, the skin crispy. I guarantee you it'll be the best chicken you've ever had. Yeah, that's exactly the right recipe. Well, of course, because <laughs> we know our food here. Where are you getting your ideas to cook from? Like, like I was thinking about, you know, where do I decide, you know, what to eat? What about you? Well, I mean, we read a lot of cookbooks. We read a lot yeah. of food articles. We travel. Lately, I would say Italy, and I had I had a trip to Israel two years ago. They both are big, like that Israeli cuisine to me was a big change in my diet and even the way I think about my menu, even though we're Italian. Yeah. But they really mix two cultures together where they got Europe 
and the Middle East, and the, the, the chefs there are just having a blast because they get to mix both. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I've only been there once and I've been to Italy five times since. So the, the major influence has always been Italy, but fresh pasta has been my latest. We just got a, a pasta machine. You mean your hands? No, no, no. Like, well, yeah, we, no, 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 no. We, I mean, we don't have a no, pasta like, machine. I mean, I mean the roller, yep. you know, we're rolling out the, the pasta. Imperia. Cutting. It's exactly yeah. the brand we got. We got Good. the Imperia. Yeah. Once you have that, it's amazing. You can do anything. And I, it really only takes 20 minutes. It's true, but we had to let the dough rest, and, yes. I, got, and I got the double. You have to get the double O flour. Really. Yes, it's. Imperative. I have access to that. Yes, you do. Yeah. So yeah, we made um, cacio pepe was my new mm. uh, fixation. Like I'm really fixated on making cacio pepe. A true Roman. A true Roman dish, and every trip we take to Italy, we end in Rome. Every single trip. So I've been to Rome twenty times. Not necessarily seen much of Rome, but we go to the same places, and it's what we do. Man, cacio pepe is the greatest pasta ever. And probably one of the harder ones I've ever made. Yeah, it's it's both simple and because you got to mix the water in. Yeah, the, to, to the get water the sauce. has to be right, and you got to it's got to get. I always thought there was cream in it, and restaurants yeah. do put cream in it. But it's not the traditional no, one doesn't have all. any cream at all. No, so uh, Jen's become my pasta maker. So she whipped off a batch of uh, fettuccine, I think it was. Mm-hmm. While I and then I boiled the pat. We made ketchup pepper twice, once too peppery, once too salty. I found a local purveyor of guanciale. Yes, uh, Mer- Mer- Mario Pinge out of uh, the Niagara, Niagara region. Yeah, he Great. does a wonderful job. So we've been making a matriciana. A matriciana. A matriciana. I wasn't pronouncing <laughs> it right, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Great pasta. Yeah, we had hot peppers. We had a bumper crop of hot peppers this season mm. uh, in the backyard. So it was a real down to earth uh, matriciana. Ooh, that they had the earthquake this year in Amatrice last year. Mm. And there was like a worldwide, uh, all restaurants put Amatriciana on the menu. In and solidarity. We, yeah, and we, we donated a dollar from each dish or two dollars from each dish to Amatrice. They had a fund set up and Jamie Oliver started it. So not a traditional pasta we serve in the restaurant, but we put it on the menu as part of this movement. And it's still on the menu today. Yeah, because it's a good. It's good. Yeah, I, I just can't get enough guanciale. So we use prosciutto ends and pancetta, whatever. Yeah, for those that don't know, guanciale is, is pig cheek. Yes. And it's incredible. Yeah, cured. It, it almost looks like an like bacon. There's like a little bit of meat there, but guanciale is almost pure fat. Pure it, fat and it, deliciousness. Deliciousness and it melts down and it's just awesome. So when you're in a rut, when you're in a food rut, what do you do to get out of it? Where do you find your inspiration? I don't know that I do get out of it. I get into a rut for a week or two. Yeah, you're cooking the same thing over and over. Kind of. You know, we got a slow cooker. And the other night, I was talking to a friend of ours, and she's like, "Just throw four chicken breasts in a jar of tomatillo." Yeah. Like Neo Brothers Tomatillo. Yeah. And leave it in the slow cooker all day. And then the I, like I, kids got off school. I did that. Came home. It was absolutely excellent. So, of course, I've done it four times since. And that's <laughs> well, my food. That's just easy food rut. Yeah. But like an actual food rut. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just takes time and you read a few cookbooks and you realize. I think the food rut is driven from like a little bit of laziness. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like two months of doing all of these cool things and you're like, oh, let's just make pasta and sauce and chicken breast for the next week. Well, hopefully we've given people food for thought so they get out of their ruts today, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. Thank you for coming on the show today. That's all the time we have. We'll hear back from you next month though, right? Absolutely. We'll we'll talk about making breakfast or late night night indulgences. Why don't we do that? I just found a use for panettone for breakfast. Okay. Well, then we're going to talk about (laughs) it. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomaradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For articles written by Joel Thuna, Megan Horsley, and Deborah Devine, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. 
If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we discuss the connection between sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction, cooking a healthy Valentine's Day dinner, and how your dental health connects to your overall health. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.